You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. So, I mean, it's interesting because the double feature this week it begs the question, why was Joan Crawford ever a sex symbol? I don't think that's how begs the question works. I beg that question because, I mean... You just told me that that's not how it works. I'm just saying, you look at her and it's like, it looks like Abe Vigoda in drag. And I'm not sure how... I, I mean... That was ever this... A little mean. But okay. are you... But I'm like, seriously, her eyebrows are, are so painted on with rollers and she just looks like an old man even when she was young. I'm just... I am not here to eyebrow shame. I am not here to eyebrow shame. Hey! What? Hello? Hi, Chris. Hi, how's it going, man? Join Uh, us. Have a seat. Brian and Luke, what are you doing in my living room? What do you mean, what are we doing here? We never left your living room. We've literally been here the entire time. What do you mean the entire time? The the last episode of remote viewing. We've been sitting here doing this since then. What what have you been up to? Uh, We we did a whole thing. There was a whole other site. And then we turned remote viewing into digital noise. I don't remember that. This is obviously the 200th episode of remote viewing. What's digital noise? I'm not sure. (laughs) Digital noise is remote viewing. Wait, remote viewing is digital noise. Boom! This is the 200th episode of Digital Noise, which is to say, if we counted all the remote viewings, it's way over 200. It's like 600 episodes. Yeah, if you guys ever listen to Spill.com, the three of us, me, Brian Salisbury, and Hello. Luke Mullen, were a team on the remote viewing, and then for the first part of Digital Noise, when that uh, uh, appeared on oneofus.net, and now we appeared here. like a fog in the like uh, like on the moors. Just, yeah. <laughs> Jamie like Lee Curtis was in like there. a fart in the wind. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was trying to say, but less eloquently. Oh, excuse no, me. I like, <laughs> like that I said. Le- yeah, I said less eloquent, and you immediately belched. Yeah, like, sorry. We've been drinking a lot. Way to set the standard of quality for this feel- out of the gate. Whose almost full beer is this? Uh, Yours. Is the is the tab sideways? Yep. Yeah, that's mine. I'll trade right. you. All, all right. right. Sorry about that. That's no, no, all good. What's this going is, on? T- standard of quality is what I was talking about. And then I forgot what we were saying. Yeah, I, but this is the 200th episode, which means we're going back to the old days. We're all we've all belched now. It's out of the way. That'll never happen again. Uh, which is basically our swearing in on a Bible. I mean, it it they're dying. We haven't even fucking started. Oh, uh, it's crazy. <laughs> It's hysterical to be recording with you guys again. This right? so weird. Yeah. Bring me all back. I'm really happy. Uh, real quick, look, shout outs. Brian, of course, now is on Junk Food Cinema. Which, I, I want to point this out. We had our 200th episode in July, and we covered a movie called Action Jackson. And I'm not pointing any fingers, but How Did This Get Made just had their 200th episode today. They also covered Action Jackson for their 200th episode. That's kind of weird. I'm not saying That's they. Bullshit. I'm bullshit, not. Bullshit, I'm not saying they ripped us off, even though four weeks ago they did Never Too Young to Die. Stargrove. The thing is, I just find it really crazy that they happened to hit on 200 episodes at Action Jackson just like we did. That is nuts. A weird coincidence. They're clearly watching you. They might or listening at least. Yeah. 
Somebody's <laughs> listening to my show, which you should do at Junk Food Cinema on Twitter, wow. as well as nice. on Blog Talk Radio and iTunes and Spotify, bitches. Yes, we are also on Spotify now. Oh my God, we're what? on Spotify finally. So wait, so you're saying you can listen to this show in between like Britney Spears and Kesha and Dan Fogelberg and all the other? God, Dan- your playlist sucks. Yeah, I was gonna say, Jesus, are you? I don't Cargill? know. What, I don't know what people. Are- <laughs> I don't know what people are listening to, but I'm pretty sure it's those three artists. <laughs> Full credit to Cargill, though. Every time I give him shit about the music he likes, he's like, I know, my taste sucks. I'm like, well, now I have nothing. I mean, when you do a show called Junk Food Cinema, your taste is going to get questioned right off the bat. Uh, we have a lot of stuff. Though Both we're going to cover Blu-rays. We're going to have some other stuff we're going to do. Uh, but we do have questions from the fans as well. I'm gonna questions. Start- People who listen to this show. Start with one of those. Alex says, what are the essential features you think a Blu-ray needs to be perfect in terms of special features? Packaging, collection, collectibles, booklets, etc. And since it's Halloween time, what is one horror franchise you want to get in an awesome Blu-ray okay. collection that hasn't already happened? First of all, that's like six questions. That's, a lot, of questions. that's uh, a lot of questions. So let me let me back a, B, and three. So, so the essential features you think a Blu-ray needs to be perfect. Commentary. I feel like commentary Is that from number the, one for you? I, for the, from the actual filmmaker? Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like you can go on the Imdaba trivia all day, but half of that Imdaba. shit can be, it can, it can be bullshit. In fact, there is a piece of trivia, uh, on, um, uh, on the Endless that says that there's a scene in that movie where you can clearly see the Necronomicon, like, in the background. No and shit. because we know Aaron and Justin, I happened to reach out to them on Twitter, and I was like, is this true? And Justin got back to me and was like, not even remotely. <laughs> so, like, the IMDb is great for, like, learning things, but you have to take it with a grain of salt. Whereas, if you hear this information directly from the filmmaker's mouth on a commentary... That's a lot more valuable to me. Well, I'm glad you brought up The Endless. And, in fact, both that and Resolution, they did something that uh, on those Blu-rays that I think is something I would love to see happen on more, I would consider be essential, where the filmmakers are involved enough where they are directly, clearly overseeing the extra features and involved in it. That is so rare where you feel like this means something to the people making this film. There, It is them going to cool locations and talking about it and having fun and joking around and like they are in super involved on every level of the it's, bonus it's the mashed potato moment because this means something all right i'm gonna give you a list alex here's what you need motion menus cast bios <laughs> still photos these are the essential trailers from other films from the same production company. scene selection is very important <laughs> if you wait long enough the special new line logo will pop up and you'll get the dvd credits <laughs> okay, fuck you new line. new line though they did god what was it it wasn't Final Destination. No, it was uh, the Butterfly Effect, which may not have actually been New Line, but I, I think it was. I think it was. Think it when was. the Butterfly Effect DVD came out, it... That became... movie's just terrible enough to have been New Line. Yes, sure. <laughs> Infinifilm. Uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, That's it was totally... It. it was totally Shut up, New Infinifilm. Line. Oh, yeah. I will get up and find it on my shelf. I know I own it. But, <laughs> uh, like, the DVD menu, had, they had, like, five different ones, and it would just, like, randomly select one every time you put it in, and I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> What should have happened is you click a button, it goes back in time and keeps you from watching Butterfly Effect. The The other essential special feature, though, is uh, I think only Return to House on Haunted Hill has this, but Choose Your Own Adventure version of the movie is super important. No, it's not the only one that has it. Uh, What is that? 
fun- I don't Basically, know. the it's logo pops like up. The movie will stop, and yeah. it'll tell you what do you want to do, which route do you want to take. There's and another like, movie that had that. Branches off that way. That's bizarre. But okay. the craziest part was the one that I remember. It was no matter what you chose, it was still a scene from the movie. Like, it wasn't like it didn't change anything. You just saw the death scenes in a different order. So yeah, like Return to, to House on Haunted Hill had it, but it, it only had, like, three or four different options that could actually I'd like to No, see- I want six versions of the movie shot, and then I want to be able to choose between them. No, I'd like to see one where, like, every time you choose wrong, that's not the way the movie went, the directors come on and go, what are you, a fucking asshole? <laughs> <laughs> it's like- funny, I didn't watch it, but I know Soderbergh did that thing for HBO called Mosaic. Yeah, I've Do you guys not- know about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You shoot it on his phone, because otherwise... Otherwise, I don't know no, what. I, I, I don't actually think he did, but it's funny because he I put shot the it app as on a my phone and everything yeah. for it. Like, so there was he 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 worked out this deal with HBO where he was like, "Look, I really want to do a he he hates choose your own adventure, but it's totally choose your own adventure." He was like, "I want to do this choose your own adventure thing, and I want to do it as like an app where people can you know they'll watch like a six minute clip and then decide what they want to do." Um, and if I you'd like, like this character to live, like, press bar. He was like, "If you guys finance it for me." I will eventually, like, after the app is out, if we wait, like, two or three months, I'll cut it down and give you, like, a six-hour miniseries version of it, and you can play it. And HBO was like, yeah, you're Steven Soderbergh, whatever the fuck you want to do, dude. Like, you <laughs> as had long as you check when you walked in the room. As long as you don't retire halfway through doing it, that would be great. Yeah, uh, I mean... <laughs> and then start again. And then start again. I, I never retired. I like what are you talking about? Track. A little bit of what the what, what are we the doing? Second question. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the second of seven questions. Oh, yeah. we were sorry, sorry. Uh, I'm going. I have to scroll oh, back Halloween down. Franchise. Halloween time. What franchise that has never gotten a great Blu-ray collection? Do you wish would get a great Blu-ray collection? Final Destination. Oh, I, I totally want to see agree. Everything about Final Destination. I would love to see that. Like too. I went back the other day. Well, the other day I went back. I don't know. Several months ago, and like watched like. Every day for the last six months. One, two, three, and five. Because let's all agree that four is awful and should never... Is that the one that's called The Final Destination? Like it was made at Ohio State and they had to add the article? The race, the NASCAR race. That is The Final Destination. I would go so far as to argue only one and two are great mixed results. Three three is okay. Five, I think, is Five is great because it does the thing that... Wait, wait, wait. Spoilers. Okay, I'm sorry. Never mind. What about the Sleepaway Spoilers Camp? Spoilers for Final Destination. No, that's fine. <laughs> uh, Sleepaway Camp is not a good franchise. Sleepaway Camp is not even a good movie. There are only three of them, and it ha- they, all three have nice Scream Factory Blu-rays. <laughs> Sleepaway Camp is interesting in the ending of the first one. If it weren't for the ending of the first one, nobody would ever fucking talk about that franchise ever. It is garbage. Even the first one, 90% of it is garbage. I'm- is there's not a solid box set of the Nightmare on Elm Street films though in there's on Blu-ray. One. There's a shitty Blu-ray box set. Um, but it's not a box set, right? It's just like the DVD upgrades, and that's about it. Yeah, right? I'm gonna go out on yeah, a limb. To I'm gonna go out on a limb and say because of just how bug nuts and interesting it is, Silent Night, Deadly Night. The entire franchise needs yeah. to be on Blu-ray. The, I mean, the first one is genuinely a good film. And, and if you I'm like sorry. the first one, you'll like the second one, because 80% of it yeah, is the first one again. Prison. And I don't Garbage mean, day. I don't mean like other sequels like Ape the first one. I mean, it's literally clips from the first one for 80% of the runtime. The third one's directed by Monty Hellman, yep. which is nuts and is about the killer from the second one having his brain in a jar and getting up out of the hospital bed. It's 
fucking great. And then the fourth one is not even a Silent Night, Deadly Night movie. It's a different movie called The Initiation that is about lesbian bug cults. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's the thing I wonder about all the time. And in one scene, I shit you not, in one scene they add a Christmas tree in the background so they can call it Silent Night, Deadly Night, even though it definitely does not take place at Christmas. And then five is Mickey Rooney. Five is Mickey Rooney as an evil toy maker, which is so much fucking so, fun to watch. So it's weird. Didn't Mickey Rooney wasn't? Didn't he have a whole hissy fit about horror films oh, like years it. before that? Though before that, and then he did. And yeah. then he ended up coming and doing this. And it yeah. was like, he hated doing it too. Like yeah, you hate a lot of things you get paid for. You still yeah. cash the check. Well, I mean, speaking well, of yeah. like uh, famous actors who ended up doing something that they did really wish they hadn't, we're talking about the King Cohen Blu-ray for the first film. And I, the reason I bring that up is because oh, there's a reference where Betty Davis uh, on here. Was in one of his films that never got finished. So I have a. She saw the footage and went like, "I look terrible. Please don't release this. I'm done." So I have a confession to make that's going to make Chris very angry. Oh God. Um. So the night that I came over to get the titles from you, uh huh. You were like, "I got an extra copy of King Cohen. Would you like it?" And you were very nice and you gave it to me. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to check this out." What was not firmly established and was probably just my brain not working correctly, I didn't realize that was actually a title for this week's episode. I thought you were just giving me a copy of like, hey, you didn't see King Cohen, you should check it out. I did, did in fact, say that. But the important... No, you probably did. You probably told me flat out explicitly this was... so. here's the thing. So, But but not only did I not see it, that means I didn't pass it on to Luke because I didn't know his part of the stack. So this is entirely my fuck up. That's fine. I just want to get that out in the open. The important thing is you guys have probably seen every Larry Cohen film. It's... Yeah, I've seen a lot of Larry Cohen's films. Just like, this guy is kind of a legend, a producing legend in Films directing legend who like so probably, sorry about that Luke that's like, my that's, that's my bad probably I his mean, last I have seen it. his last oh, okay. major mm-hmm. film he was involved in was uh, for the Joel <laughs> Schumacher film Phone Booth which I know results may vary on that one but he's done a lot of movies that I genuinely just love to pieces is one of them cue the winged serpent because one yes, of them needs is. to be cue the winged oh, serpent well because <laughs> Michael Moriarty. Oh my god, Michael Moriarty in that movie is a fucking masterclass in doing whatever the fuck you want when someone says action. He's like, and that's one of the fun things about this this documentary, which is done with so much love from a lot of big name people, including Scorsese, who's all and over Tara this. Reed. Well, okay, fair enough. <laughs> wow. Tracy Lord. So the pendulum just swings all the ways. But Moriarty also very involved in it. Moriarty flat out calls him the greatest director I've ever worked for. Which sounds like something Moriarty would say. In like eight of his films. He's in a lot can of we, Can we he's talk also about in the stuff? He's in Return to Salem's Lot or Salem's Lot 3. Whatever I don't think it is. Brian likes the stuff. I love Michael Moriarty. Stuff notwithstanding, uh, but you what like I the stuff the stuff is a great time capsule for the time period. I'm not a huge oh, fan of it, but I love it. I don't understand how the how Dick Wolf was able to rein Michael Moriarty the fuck in for several seasons of Law and Order. I am blown away that that happened. It sounds like something that would only exist in another dimension. Well, especially you watch this movie. And you're what? Like he's very old now, and he's just kind of sitting back and being like, it seems like he's largely retired at this point, Moriarty. And it's just like in between whiskeys, is talking about how much fun this he's shit just to do, and then they're interspersing it with the fucking bug nuts movies he was in for him. Like God told me to. Oh, the movie's movie? fucked up, dude. Oh God. God told me to. But this is a fun tribute to a guy who very much is like the other Roger Corman. Kind of is the best way to describe him. You know, he is 
Uh, on the other Slightly hand, slightly less huckstery, maybe. Yeah, no, or... less huckstery. But at the same time, he's less. Like a, the film makes <laughs> a very like. strong point for this is a guy who, in the Corman sense, does that thing like, oh, if some weird shit was going on around us, like near us, we're going to rush our cameras over there, film it, and we'll find a way to make that part of the story. <laughs> I feel yeah, like on know. the spectrum of producers. Like, on one end, you have, like, the Xanax and, and Galen Hurd, and then on the low end of the spectrum is, like, the Lloyd Kaufmans. Yeah. <clears throat> like, Corman and Larry Cohen occupy such a close space in the middle of that fucking continuum. And, and I absolutely love not only the movies that Larry Cohen directed and produced, but the ones he wrote as well. Uh, for example, Maniac Cop, oh, which is so one of good. my favorite trashy movies. I love it. Uh, that Larry Cohen started with a tagline, which was, you have the right to remain silent forever. <laughs> and Will Lustig went, dude, that's a movie. Write that forever. movie. Forever. And they wrote a franchise around that fucking tagline. Like, that I, I really respect. Oh, uh, he did a lot of really stuff that was bigger than we give him credit for now. Like, It's Alive, which spent two years getting tiny little mini theater midnight releases. And then someone in Hollywood went, hey, this is actually pretty good. We should make two more. No, no. They re-released it in a wide release, and it broke records theatrically when it came out. Huh. Broke records. He was also a producer on two of the absolute. Caesar. That's what I was gonna say. Is two of the absolute best uh, black exploitation movies: Black Caesar and Hell Up in Harlem. Which the was sequel. The sequel. Yeah. 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 Ah, Hell Up in Harlem. Hell Up in Harlem. It's got a great thing. He's got an odd career that wasn't quite what I would call exploitation per se, because he clearly loves the shit. He was not. You agree? I agree. He's not a huckster. He's not like this is just for the money. He really wants to make good movies. He's Truly in love with Hollywood. What I would say is I think he held on to that dream long after Corman had abandoned it. Because that's where Corman started, Mm -hmm. is Corman wanted to be a legitimate filmmaker. But Corman figured out way early on in that process that he was better at producing and that he could make a lot more money. I mean, it's kind of the Creed Bratton quote about cults, where it's like, (laughs) I've been in a number of cults, uh, both as a leader and a follower. You make more money as a leader, but you have more fun as, as a follower. A follower. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the Corbin thing, where it's like, I can make a lot more money as a producer, even though I had more fun as a director. But Cohen's so. that weird, fascinating guy that, like, everybody loves him who ever worked with him. Which is not the case with Corbin, not unfortunately. Case with Corbin. <laughs> like, but they're like, people were like, oh my god, he's one of the greatest human beings you've ever met. He actually was... Bernard Herman, the great composer who yeah. actually worked with him on several of his films, he drove Corman home that night to his house... Corman died in his sleep and wait, 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 Cohen. Cohen. Wait, what? Bernard, Bernard uh, Herman. Oh, so Bernard Herman died in the arms of Larry Cohen. No, no. Bernard, no. What's happening? Cohen drive, drove after work Bernard Herman home to his apartment, uh-huh. then came to pick him up in the morning, went into his apartment, and was the person to find Bernard Herman dead. Oh, Cohen Jesus. Was. Yeah. And then <laughs> Who's was, on first? And then was the person at his funeral who was basically, who organized it, paid for it, did everything. Was like, no, this guy was a, a legend. Yeah. That's nuts. Isn't that crazy? That is nuts. Yeah. One of the greatest fucking composers of all time. Of like all that is time. That's nuts. Well, this documentary covers all this stuff and many, many, many more cool stories. I mean, it's just fun to watch. It He's the man who taught me how to pronounce Quetzalcoatl. So uh, if nothing yeah, else, thank no, you, Larry. You got Cohen. that from there. That yeah. comes in handy all the time. I'm I sure. say Quetzalcoatl more than yeah. you think. <laughs> uh, what? That's what Q stands for in Q the Winged Serpent. It's a Mexican monster called Quetzalcoatl. It's an Aztec thing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> what? 
Uh, there's actually they. I, it's the I, brand of beer we're drinking. We, we, this played at Fantastic Fest originally, which is where I first saw it, and I got to talk to the director and briefly Larry Cohen, which was like, oh, my heart's a flutter. Uh, and I was like. Is there going to be a lot of bonus features here? He's like, oh, we have so much extra footage. And he put it all on here. There's 46 and a half minutes of more interviews with Cohen they didn't use with him just telling Bon Mots and funny little stories. There's 13 minutes of him cutting his toenails. Weird. (laughs) There's uh, 37 minutes and 43 seconds of other people who were interviewed with it with more stories talking about Larry. It's really the 43 seconds that does it. it's, Mm -hmm. uh, It's a big thing. Three and a half minutes of Cohen doing a tour of props from his films. Uh, 13 minutes and 21 seconds of uh, introductions Cohen taped for film festivals screening his work, and then a bonus soundtrack CD for the score for the documentary, which is pretty cool in and of itself. So it's a kind of an awesome little set. And a pint of the stuff. No, not a pint. All this can be yours. I still don't know why you don't like this stuff. I feel like maybe it's time for a It might be time for a revisit. Yeah, I saw it several years ago. I really like this stuff a lot. One yeah, of my, one of my favorite. It's, it's the stuff of legends. Uh, then we're gonna talk about one. I hope y'all actually watch, which is Sleep No More, because uh, one of our buddies uh, wrote it. Yeah, Jason Murphy. I, I feel like there's a lot of uh, what do you call it? Uh, disclaimers to come before this one, because yes, Jason Murphy, our good friend, wrote it. Uh, two of our friends, uh, uh, Paul Gandersman and and Peter Hall, produced it. Oh, I didn't realize they were producing. Yes, it is in association with and our that, Canon Pictures. And then so. another friend of mine, Philip Guzman, actually directed it. And so so yeah. there's a lot of sort of things that. So ob- objectivity, just throw it right in the fucking garbage. I, I'm, just, uh, I, like, I, I'm very having a hard time talking about this movie because I'm not completely in love with it. No, I, and I actually I talked to Jason about it because I was like, you know, I'll, I'll be upfront with you about how I felt about this movie. And I feel like he was kicking himself a lot about it. And I told him, like, you know what problem I didn't have with this movie? The writing. <laughs> like, I feel like my biggest complaint with this movie is not even in the ballpark of the writing. Uh, this is a movie about, you know, a, a team of uh, grad, students. grad students in the 80s who are conducting a research experiment to see how long they want to stay awake for. Is it 120 hours? 200 hours. It's 200 hours. No one's cutting their arms off under a boulder. It's not 127. Okay. No, 200. Hours. 200 hours. Uh, they're, they're trying to stay awake because their theory is if you stay awake for 200 hours, you never literally don't need sleep anymore. Yeah. Which seems like a very far-fetched theory. It sounds like something I would have thought of at age eight. Like if I can just stay up for a week and a half. I never have to sleep again. Yeah, the brain really, will reset and I, things. I, I never felt I was really completely explained on the whole how they got to here's, this theory. Here's why I don't care. Uh, because I love Prince of Darkness. And Prince of Darkness is a garbage science movie where they're like, the devil because science. Yeah. And nobody questions it any further. It's true. I don't... Point of order. Yes. I, I questioned it. You quite oh, okay, well. <laughs> not all of us were the we were preachers' kids, and we're like, you know what? Point of order. Because I need more science of the devil to prove the devil with science. I'm so like oh, that God, part. Like so many stories. I feel like it's that thing we talk about all the time. Like you establish your rules, and I will completely go with you. And I feel like the movie does a good job of it like does do that. This is what we are predicting is this going is, to happen, yeah. and we all believe it. So the audience will believe it too. There's a group of guys. So they do this. Uh, there's a female researcher who's like, I'm not taking it. And then they have the one guy who's supposed to be like, oh, I'm the, uh, I'm going to stay up with you guys just with caffeine, but I'm not taking the drug that they're taking. And, and I think the control. 
Yeah, I think I think a big get for this movie is Bria Grant, who is an actress we have seen in so many great festival movies. Is like just a very familiar face, and she's great in this movie. Yeah. Um, the problem I had with this film was one, if and, and this is I say this about so many movies, if you don't have the budget to show your monster, don't show your monster. Like it don't like I would find a way to film around. I would have been so much happier with a guy in a suit. In this movie, then the bad CG, I believe they Dude, call them... smoke monster shit. I don't need it. I don't need smoke I'm monsters really with bad dis- kabuki faces I in really CG. I really dislike the CG effect of this stuff. It took me so far out of the movie. That was my biggest problem with this movie. Because I think the performances overall are good. Yeah. I think the concept is good. I think there's a lot of fun stuff going on. Luke, just reach over and grab a beer. It's hey. fine. <laughs> help. Uh, he's like... Please, he's, help. He's, he's gesticulating... <laughs> No, give the man a beer. I just, I wish, I wish people could have seen what just happened. Um, it was amazing. So we we've, we've been prognosticating a little bit. So uh, Luke, Luke, what did you, what did you think? It's probably the wrong word, but what did you think of of this one? Um, movie. <laughs> it was a film that you saw. <laughs> movie. All right, so if you had been screening this for Fantastic Fest, oh, that, that's a terrible question. <laughs> if you were like, I've got to consider this. For How can we put you more on the spot? No, no, it's all good. Uh, I mean, like we said, we know a lot of people involved in this movie, and uh, I don't think any of us hated it. I did not. No, no, yeah, no. I, I, I did, in fact, like it. Yeah, yeah, I think it does a lot of things right. I think. Uh, I think it looks pretty good, aside from the CG. You know, I buy most of the dialogue, and you know, I love Bray Grant because some good go- and- there's some good practical gore in here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's a perfectly watchable, you know, Saturday evening with nothing to do horror movie. Yeah, I feel like a lot of us right now are in this position, and I said this to Murphy. He was, you know, Murphy's a very humble guy. He's very he's like, kicking himself about so many things, and this movie has have nothing to do with his script. And I, I just said to him, I was like, you know, people can walk into a store right now and buy the DVD of a movie that you wrote, and so many of us are working toward that exact goal that you really, you can't that you, take that lightly. The fact that you got there alone and it's not garbage. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, like, I don't think you you didn't make a masterpiece. Okay, but it can. Whose out. first effort is a fucking masterpiece? Yeah. Like, well, I mean, sometimes it happens, but you know. okay, but shut up, all of you. Some the Martin Scorsese. I don't know. So yeah, we probably are like cutting cutting a lot of well, slack. I think that, uh, I like mean Street's, Street's a lot. Mean Street's is not his first. Guys, come on, come on. Boxcar Bertha. Boxcar oh, Bertha right, came before right, Mean right. Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never saw that. Him. Came after. Uh, well, people did like Boxcar Bertha. Who goes there? Not who goes there. Uh, someone I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is, I know we're probably cutting Murphy a lot of slack because we know him, but the the I love him. The point is, we are, the point is that there is his books are great. There, there's nothing wrong with this movie that is to do with the script. That's that's what I told him. Was like everything I didn't like about this movie had nothing to do with I, the writing. I don't 100% agree with you there. Like I said, I still feel like it's kind of. I always feel a little iffy with the science here, especially because it's such a movie that, unlike Prince of Darkness, continually focuses on the science of it and brings it up. It's never not in focus during the movie, like the science aspect of it. A Prince of Darkness loses that aspect super quick from the get-go. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's science. Don't worry about it. And then that <laughs> Science! Is, uh, which is fine. 
He's gone and, from here. The devil is gone. It felt like my calculations are gone from here. It felt like it could have been a little better thought out there. And admittedly, it moves a little slow at parts. I'll be doing the rest of the show as Donald Pleasance. I hope that's okay with everyone. Tea bags. I, they re-released that as Deadline. It was very upset. I'm very mixed towards this. I think there's a lot of... Rami. There was more potential for this film than got realized uh, from yeah. the script. I agree with you there. And and the biggest part of that is, ultimately, it's not scary because whenever it shows you the thing, it's kind of ridiculous. Ooh, the thing is a good movie. <laughs> not, not the thing. Not the thing thing. The thing in the movie thing. Here's the Luke with thing. a non-sequitur B-take, Luke. A- <laughs> I just want to talk about a different movie. All right, let's talk about a different movie, which is Housewife. This is uh, from the director and writer uh, Ken Everall, who made uh, Baskin, which actually was a fantastic best feature. Oh, Baskin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which, and this uh, as movie's well, fucking weird. This as well is like, obviously, this dude's a little into Lovecraft, just a bit. Little into. It's Cthulhu Hereditary. Yeah. Uh, 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 100% it is. There's like the. Wife is making like dollhouse miniature shit, and it's like inherited trauma from the mob. Oh, so welcome to the dollhouse. Luke, now you've done it. You've got to tell the plot of this film. Good luck. Oh, I have to tell the plot. Yeah, yeah. Fucking. That's what you just did. Uh, It's like volunteering to bring cookies to the PTA meeting. You just shouldn't have said anything. No, I really shouldn't have. So, you know, starts with uh, this young girl. She has a very bad experience. Her mom drowns her sister. In the toilet. Like you do. Uh, <laughs> turns out she can't pee in toilets because of it. Don't know why. Was it a mall toilet? Because I feel like those are the worst toilets. A, a toilet at a mall. About toilets to begin with. This is true. I don't You're shit like in public home, places. Home I don't do it. Only yeah, a home bowl. Uh, she is like a IP in bathtubs type of girl. So, you know, there you go. Uh, anyway, she, uh, so, like, again, I'm just gonna keep going back to Hereditary. Like, imagine that the demon, like, whatever cult from Hereditary, uh, was, like, super out there, like, Scientology, and, like, celebrated in the world, and she goes to some thing with her boyfriend, and the guy, like, touches her head, and I don't even know what happened. I got nothing. And then a bunch of hallucinatory shit happens. shit happens. Yeah, it's all about, like, because it's two different movies, it's, like, the film about... Her and tragedy and trauma with like, like her, that stuff with watching her mom kill her sister and her dad and then, oh, and like her going on and then, and then the, like it's building up the thing where she's going to this cult, but at first it's kind of a Scientology thing, which is to say relatively innocuous. I want to make two counterpoints. I want to make two counterpoints to both of you. One, we didn't say anything yet. One, this is really about the war on terror and two, I didn't see this one. You didn't watch. That. I didn't see this movie. Oh, so what's yeah. it, <laughs> Brian? Did you watch any of the movies this week? I didn't watch this one, and King King Cohen was my my fault because I didn't understand what was happening uh, with that okay. one. This uh, is okay. the only one of the ones I knew we had to cover that I didn't get to. Okay. If that makes you feel no, better, that's fair. was that an active decision where you were like, I don't want to see that one? No, it was probably just me miscount. I miscounted the men, Liz. Enough, I miscounted the men. <laughs> This is a, I understood that reference. It's a movie that's occasionally <laughs> weird, but most of the time, I just occasionally it, Put that on the fucking poster. No, occasionally weird, Chris Cox, one of us done that. Most of the time, I just found it dull. It, I mean... it remind, You know what it reminded me of? That Nicolas Cage movie that was playing Fantastic Fest. Between, yeah, between Worlds. Worlds. Like, it's better than Between Worlds, I'll give you that. 
but that's not saying much. Nobody's worlds. nobody's seen Between Worlds yet. It's like the it's the most. I'm going to stop you. No one's going to see Between it's Worlds. One of the most unbelievable pieces of garbage I've in seen. The, in the, the year where Mandy came out, nobody's fucking watching Between Worlds. <laughs> this is it's Mandy's just a masterpiece. Mandy's the greatest thing ever. So much time trying to get around to something. And then when it finally does, at the end, it was like, so what happened exactly? Luke, are you on the same page with me, or are you doing uh, I mean, take? I think I maybe liked it a little more than you did, but I, I'm definitely on the same page of it makes no goddamn sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But you can both bask in his previous film. Bask in? Oh, I see what you did there. I'm trying to drink, and I'm pouring it all over myself. That's not, hey, yeah, it's not you how you drink. put it in your mouth hole. Instead. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you've got a drinking problem. Um, I, I also do. don't think the title makes any sense, like... She's the least housewifey wife in the history of house. Yeah, maybe it's not like a reality show. Like, She's not very housewifey at all. No, I was like, what? And, and maybe that's the point? The Real Housewives of Hobbs End. I don't know. That's yeah, a show I, I would watch. I, I feel sort of similar to Sleep No More on this. I'm like, you know, it's a rainy Saturday afternoon. You could do worse than this double feature. I would say watch Sleep No More over Housewife, but that's me. Sure. Maybe it's just because I'm biased. I, since we know absolutely everybody involved with, with Sleep No More. We mentioned our bias A little bit of bias. I feel like we covered that. We are free from all scrutiny. All right. That didn't sound like Donald Pleasance at all. Let's ask a, <laughs> we are free from scrutiny. Let's ask a fan question. Daniel Ormsby says, what animated feature films would you want to see get the Criterion Collection treatment? Cloudy with a chance of meatballs. He mentions Stop. Watership Down, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and Fantastic Planet. Um, only three they've oh, ever released. Okay. Oh, all right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think we had them both thought of order. Uh, excuse me. No, I legitimately think Claudia with a Chance of Meatballs deserves to be in the Criterion Collection. <clears throat> because, I mean, first of all, Lord Miller are two of the greatest uh, property adapters of anyone who has ever lived. They can take anything and make it gold, uh, which is a remarkable feat. I mean, Including feces. Including feces. They made feces gold? Yeah. That's baby rats. Baby mice. Oh, mice. That's a Donnie Darko reference. Hi-oh. I, uh, I see what you did there. No, I, I uh, animated movies in the Criterion Collection. I would say The Secret of Kells. I, I have one that I know Brian would appreciate. What's that? Persepolis. <laughs> Are you not a fan? <laughs> Brian and I waited in line for like seven hours for the secret screen so, fantastic festival. a little bit of backstory fucking Persepolis a little bit of backstory this was 2007 it's the first fantastic fest that Luke and I went to it was the second time I had ever been in Austin I think the third time for you yeah, something like that um, and we got we got bounced out of or we, well we got bounced out of the first secret screening ever we weren't like we didn't get in line soon enough and it like literally cut off the people in front of us were the Anderson last people. The, yeah. yeah. The last people in front of us were the last people invited into the secret screening. And we were so bummed. They were like, tomorrow, we're going to get here super early. We're going to be the first people in line for the secret screening. And, and we what is, what's fucking hilarious about that is that we were mad that we didn't get into Southland Tales. Let's talk about how ironic that is, first and foremost. Like you kind of like is not the same as, oh, my God, I'm so glad I saw this at a secret screening of Fantastic Mess. No, that's Mess. true. So, by Richard Kelly Beer. This is true, uh, which he commented on in the middle of an interview. I wish we still had the audio from that. With Todd Brown. Was that Todd Brown? An interview with get out of here. For Twitch. Uh, Did you say that Canadian? Yeah, get over here. By the way, anytime you <laughs> that see... That was also a thing for a while. Anytime Todd Brown introduced anything, Brian and I would yell out. Because he would say it. He, <laughs> would, say, it was like, he would say, oh that man, it was really great, and we saw this out, and we would be like, Oot. Oot. 
And so anytime I see XYZ films in front of anything, which is becoming more and more fucking common, I will now to myself out loud go, Oot. Oot. Uh, so the second secret screening at that Fantastic Fest, we're going to get into it. We're definitely going to get into it. And it was an Iranian animated film called Persepolis based on a graphic novel that I never would have read in my fucking life. And I hated every second of that movie. And I was just like, this is, this is what we waited for. And it burned me on secret screenings for a long time. Uh, Ironically, it is the type of film that probably would end up in the criteria. Yeah, I've one thousand percent. I personally love Persepolis, but I get why it was like we were waiting. It was a was, letdown. It yeah. is. I'm sure it's a fine film, but at the time, it was like it was one of the first years of Fantastic Fest that they did a secret screening that everyone was like, "What the fuck is this? This doesn't feel like a Fantastic Fest movie." Oh man, and Matt Dentler introduced it. Remember when Matt Dentler ran South by Southwest Film? They were just like, "Hey, you're a 23 year old kid. You should run this major film festival." Yeah, I do. Uh, yes. But what I think huh. is funny is I think that the next Fun secret time. screening we got into was Dynipogen. So, yeah. That's true. There's yeah, a lot a of weird year. There's a lot of weird shit playing as, as secret God, screenings that, that year. Well, I did yeah. want to thought, like I said, The Secret of Kells, which is a Irish animated feature that's kind of a masterpiece by Tom Moore and Nora Twomey, who actually went on to do The Breadwinner, which was a big animated uh, Academy Award nominee last year, and The Prophet and Song of the Sea. Everything they've done has been fantastic. And it feels like very Criterion uh, edition type stuff, but well worth your time. The Secret of Kells is still my favorite thing they've ever done, which takes basically the uh, the the animation style. Like, have you ever seen an illuminated Bible? Like, where it's like those super Luke. intricate, intricate like uh, designs <laughs> with very Celtic designs. Like, very everything is like all these different things. Where that where people are hand laying gold and threads into Bibles for designs and art around the world. No, but you know somebody who has one because that sounds like something I should steal. Well, they're worth a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. But the whole animation style is in the style of the classic illuminated Bibles. Hey, let me really plan cool. a heist to steal a Bible so I can be assured of going directly to hell. All right. Well, let's go Wait, on to not, our. Do you, next have a, do you have a real answer? Um, Did you oh, get a real answer? Uh, no, I, I, I'm not kidding about Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Oh, I am not at all kidding about that. Okay, you. I am going to give a very unpopular opinion, and then we're all going to move on like I didn't say it. Oh, I enough. hate Miyazaki, but it feels like Miyazaki what? should be in the criteria. I don't, I don't like Miyazaki. It does either. really feel like he should be, and by the way, y'all are both wrong. Also, fine. to be fair, Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. To be fair. <laughs> well, and if we're going to be fair, like, <laughs> South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Cut. South Park, of the that is the best answer we've come time. up with between the three of us. That movie deserves to have a fucking Criterion release. That is one of the most important animated movies ever made, and I am not fucking kidding. I'm not either. It's one of the best musicals of all time. There's a reason best Ryan musicals, and I are yeah. good friends. Best musicals of all time. I love that movie, too, but you guys are both crazy people. I'm telling you. <laughs> nope. I would so love, um, like, a giant-ass booklet and, like, a double disc of special So features. important to American musical theater, and nobody fucking understands that. Have y'all ever gone to see the Book of Mormon? No, but I that's what I'm to. talking oh, about. I would have loved to. Y'all, if you like if you like that, you're going to love Book of Mormon. I've seen it twice now. It's so good. Dude, I will. You rub it in, Chris. Sorry, Dude. sorry. I will rub it in some more. It was really good. I will you fight for Cannibal the Musical getting into the Criterion and Collection. Just, like, Don't you fucking test me. Away, and I was just like, oh, I should have given it to somebody, but oh well. Because you know it's a spadoinkle day. What we're the, talking about? Wait, what? The sky is blue and all the leaves are green. Uh, the sun's as warm as a baked potato. I think I know exactly what I mean <laughs> when I say it's a spadoinkle day. That's God, the song the that got stuck in your head yeah. in that movie? What like what's well, the one that's stuck in your head? Well, the, the Uncle Fucker. Oh no 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 no! That no, no, that's from Cannibal the Musical. We were singing Cannibal the oh, Musical. Oh, is that what that is? Okay, yes. Yeah, 
It's been Have a while seen... since I've seen Cannibal. Oh, oh you man. should watch Cannibal it again. Cannibal the musical has maybe the greatest commentary track. Speaking of commentaries from the earlier question. Maybe the greatest commentary track. Yeah. Of all. At one point, Trey, I think, talks they... about the, like, oh, his, shit. his ex-fiance oh, who's shit. in the movie and who, like, broke up with him while they were making the movie. Oh, left and, him for a uh, a real estate. Guy. Oh, yeah, it was insurance. Yeah, I think it's insurance. And he kept saying, it was hilarious because he'd say things like, yeah, now he sells insurance and I'm worth $6 million. Oops. Which is hilarious because he's probably he worth saying, 20 times that now. Yeah, but they, it was, <laughs> like, they did the commentary, like... During, like, the second season of South Park. Right. The third so season they weren't, like, gigantic. He's like, yeah, yeah no, he's yeah. like, now I'm worth Dude, $8 million. fuck the rest of this episode. Can we just talk about Cannibal the Musical for another hour and a half? I'm going to say yes. Oh, my we God. plenty of beer. Oh, my God. the wherewithal. We could, get, we could make a beer run in the middle of the podcast and just leave it recording. Just leave it recording. We'll get more questions. First, let's talk about another movie. They just put out the Evil Dead, the original one. Evil Dead. I wish that was the score. On 4K... Which everyone in the world who collects 4K went, wait, why are you putting out The Evil Dead on 4K? Because it is 4,000 times better than the other 13 oh, releases of Evil Dead. Because I was just looking on the Ant-Man Blu-ray, it says, four times sharper yeah. than HD. But but that's the thing, when you're making your film in like somewhere between 16 and 8 millimeter, it looks like... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would... Dead. I thought Evil Dead shot 35. Did they not shoot 35? Was it not 30? Was it They 35? shot on... They had like a... I mean, granted, it was a super... They shot on somebody's uncle's production. home video camera, like... They most certainly did not. It is It is not a movie that really demands high... De- I mean, Luke and I talked about this, and I think this is actually a quote from Jason Murphy from many years ago. We talked about a high-definition release of Texas Chainsaw Massacre... And he reminded us of a quote from Tobe Hooper. Tobe. Toby Hooper. Tobe. Total Tobe. I'm sorry, it's spelled Tobe. Tobe. It's, it's pronounced Tobe. Your mama Toby. called you Tobe. I'm going to call you Tobe. Yeah, this is funny. I, he, so <laughs> the E is silent. He said that Toby Hooper always said that that movie was supposed to look like it had been dragged down 100 miles of bad road. Yeah. And I kind of feel the same way about Evil Dead. This is not a movie that demands to be in super. Like, how much clearer do you need this to be for a movie that's supposed to look like the last remnants of somebody's nightmare? All right, so, All right I'm gonna oh, go, ahead. go ahead. No, 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 no please. Uh, I, I, I posted something about having gotten this, and a lot of people were sending me messages like, "This is the shittiest film in the whole franchise. Why are what? you excited?" Fuck you. And I was like, "I was like, you, my friends." Don't understand the Evil Dead Band franchise for life. at all if you think this is a shitty film. First I don't know all, what to tell you. Army of Darkness is the shittiest film in the franchise. It's, it's not bad. It's still By good. that, I mean, Army of Darkness is great. Yeah. It's just not as great as Evil Dead and uh, Evil Dead uh, 2. And I and even the remake. Even I not I, really a, like the remake. I would agree. I don't think it's as good as the remake. Yeah. I think the remake is fantastic. Anyway, what I was going to say to follow up on Brian's thing is, first of all, I agree Having seen Texas Chainsaw on a beat to shit print out in the middle of no, oh, at the Texas Chainsaw house. Yep. Uh, That's the that way to see it. That is the fucking way to see it. Yep. I also saw the 4K restoration in Los Angeles at the beautiful Vista Theater. Nice. Uh, with Toby Hooper and William Friedkin doing like an interview thing. And look, part of the things with restorations that I think people overlook is when they really go back and dig into the audio track. Like, the Phantasm Restoration, the biggest thing to me about the Phantasm Restoration is the incredible 5.1 sound. Yeah. Phantasm sounds amazing. And it looks great, too. Like, it's a really nice... Wrong, it looks great. It's but a really nice restoration. that was a big nice thing for Texas Chainsaw, too, where it was like, 
oh, holy shit, this sounds amazing. So, all that to say, uh, let's not look a gift horse in the mouth here. If they're going to give us Evil Dead in 4K, we're going to fucking take it. It's got a Dolby, a Dolby True HD 5.1 track here that's added in that was so in that's probably the, good that's in the last in the blue i don't know anything well. about this i'm sorry I'm uh, like, i have no and, and this why did i ever do this show with you can i just <laughs> can i just throw that like out there movies. i like movies but i don't know dick about dick when it comes to like you just said a bunch of words in, in a row well, that i was you, like do you what does that, that mean do you remember that's why we had luke on the show because yes we would talk about the shit and, and we go luke you're like what does that mean <laughs> i got a dobby 5.1 house elf like i don't know what the <laughs> fuck you're talking about <laughs> uh, reportedly because I did not get to watch the 4K copy of this just the Blu-ray one that it is indeed the best edition that exists but even so there are points where they didn't quite they the emphasis of the 4K brought up the graininess to a bad level as opposed to down like it didn't feel mastered quite to the point it should have been but still not to the point where it's super annoying and a lot of this makes it very clear it is by far the best edition they own however for some reason, they did not include the DVD that was included in the previous Blu-ray edition, which was a solid collection of bonus features. All this has is the audio commentary track. I feel like they are selling this to and actually a very big audience of people who already own Evil Dead at Let's least twice on Blu-ray. Yeah. How, how many copies of Evil Dead do you own? Four. Brian? Okay. 4K? No, 4. Uh, at least two. At least two. Do you still own stuff? And, and I don't yeah, know. Like, no, I'm a Buddhist now. No, I, re- I mean, renounced you know, all worldly possessions. And, 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 you got a family? Like, No, I still I'm, have shit. Yes. And yet I've only did got... you make your crib out of discs? And yet I've only got... No! I've only got one of Evil Dead 2, and I would rather have oh, a have, better I copy have of Evil Dead 2. 2. I'm trying to think. I think I have... Three Evil Dead. Okay, I, like I, currently on the show. Because the thing is, with these, they keep releasing ones that don't have all the bonus features from the previous edition, and I'm like, oh, I better keep the previous edition. Or then, like and... Shout Factory will do like the really nice edition, and you're like, fuck. I yeah. mean, I would have bought I'll buy Army of Darkness again. I would have bought the more shittiest movie in the Evil Dead franchise. Right, Which is still awesome. I I would have bought more copies, but somebody very drunkenly told me once that not buy everything Anchor Bay puts out because Anchor Bay sucks. So. Are yeah, they even that around? was you. Are they even around anymore? They were at the time that Luke said that in front of their I like can't vice president. The last so. time I saw an Anchor Bay film, who I'm they... good friends with now. But you're good time, friends. It was yeah, bad news. You know what you shouldn't say when you're introing an, an Anchor Bay movie at Fantastic Fest? Don't Anchor Bay Anchor sucks. Bay <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking about uh, of Ash and it's the Evil Dead, they fault. put out Ash versus the Evil Dead, the complete all three seasons on Blu-ray, which is nice because. Most of the, I, I think only the first season came out on Blu-ray initially. The uh, the rest were on DVD and were not even given a full release on Blu-ray. Now this so. is a TV That's show a trend that I really hate. Yeah, yeah. Why like, do you, the why first do you like five seasons of the League are on Blu-ray and then like season six is on DVD? It drives and I'm me like, crazy. Go fuck yourself. Dude, so yeah. it's on Hulu now, right? So the League Wait, is on is? Hulu. The League it's oh. on Hulu. And I said that to somebody, like, wasn't it always? I'm like, no! No one most certainly was not. It was on Netflix for a long time and then it got pulled and then it was nowhere. And if you tried to buy it, you could get, like like you said, the first couple of seasons on Blu-ray, and then everything else, it was bullshit. So every season just entered Hulu, and it's great, uh, because you can What watch the it. fuck just happened? Yeah, the we league. just went to reviewing The League for some I don't reason. Know, no, Brian got really, like, were we not talking about the league? Excited. No, we totally no. were. You okay. were just like, you were on a fucking mission a about problem, the league. I have a problem with people just thinking that things are available all the time. What is not. this? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know there are girls behind this. <laughs> you know, 
Those, she should not play with those. Those should be burned. We're not going to quote the league. We're not going to quote the league for the rest of the show. Ash versus Evil Dead. Is that what that was? There's a joke about butt plugs and a, a child's bath toys that get confused. <laughs> the point being, broke Luke. he's gonna die right the here. Point being, Ash versus Evil Dead is a TV show. Should be burned. Yeah, three seasons brought to you by the original entire crew that brought now, you the original. Evil it's Dead, a TV though. show, but I actually watched it. You watched like, all three I, seasons? I oh. no, I watched the first season, but I don't usually watch a lot of like TV shows because people tell me I should. Yeah, like I don't know what it is, but like my mental bandwidth is so limited that I'm like I can't, I just can't introduce just stand on a new show into my. I can't do it. Now I watched the first season of Ash vs Evil Dead and fucking dug the hell out. Which also I gave you. You did, <laughs> but <laughs> because it was for a show, I was like, all right, fine. Yeah. No, no, when no, I mean, Zena the original, you remember at Fantastic Fest, I, they gave me a copy because they were screen, doing stuff there, and I was like, I already have this. I was like, hey, Brian, do you want this? No, I don't remember that at all. Okay, well. It's probably somewhere in my home, and I just don't. <laughs> it's sitting there like the fucking Necronomicon, like, read from uh, me. It's right just there. in the background of one of the shots of his house. Uh, when, not according to Justin. When so. does Xena show up? No, she, oh. she, uh, season two. Oh. No, she's in the first she season. In the first she's season? definitely in the first season. Yeah, Lucy Lawless is in this playing a demon who's. Um, Lucy Flawless, who's, because Jesus Right? God, who is, what the fuck? Who is sometimes she on the so show. when she was on that Spartacus TV show that nobody watched, but they totally should have because she's so hot. Are you talking about Xena? That's not, that wasn't Spartacus. That was called Xena. No, no, no. She was on no, Spartacus. No, I'm not just yeah. fucking with you. She okay. got naked. <laughs> What? Yeah. She got the nudes. What? You, you didn't yeah. see the Spartacus show? No! Oh my god. No, I heard Andy Whitfield. Why can I not come up with this? Yeah, name you may earlier? have seen it by its original title, which is Blood and Tits. Blood and Tits. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Spartacus Blood and Tits. Spartacus Blood and Tits. Speaking of Blood and Tits, ours was like, remember Cinemax? That was cool. Let's do that in TV, <laughs> but do, with three hundred. Do that times a thousand. Speaking of Blood and Tits, Ass versus Evil Dead uh, has both Did of those. Ass versus Evil I, Dead. It has ass too. <laughs> it does. Uh, Ash versus Evil Dead. Like I said, continues on from the 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 Bruce Campbell universe with him starring you guys all know this already but have you actually watched the show it's a solid three seasons of television that are right up there as good as the actual movies i'm telling you at least as good as army of darkness am i right just gets better as it goes along the third season i would put up against any of the evil dead movies it's so good and it has the best ending of any of the films the nice. final, the way they end this is like, will make you fucking stand up and pump your fists in the air and go, fucking A. Right on, man. Like, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to finish this because... It's uh, so fucking Because I already good. pay for stars, so that I had no excuse for not watching the show in the first place. I I gotta, I, we we got to talk about, why do you pay for stars? Because I already have Amazon Prime, and it was really cheap to add it on to my Amazon Prime. Okay. So, and they, they have, of all I'm the, like... You. Okay, but of all the add-ons, of all the, like, Showtimes and the HBO, like, add-ons you can get, Stars has oh. the best movies. They really do. Really? Like, they have the best, uh, they have the best assortment of movies, uh, and they have- Team The Widowmaker? <laughs> yes, that's the one movie they have that I just watch every day. No, they- And I feel like they get the bigger movies sooner than the other places do, so- 
I'm sorry, gag reflex. I'm gonna watch Hunter Killer. I'm gonna tell you that much. Oh my god! Oh my god! I got a text the other night from one of my friends who was like, "Hunter Killer is so bad." I actually went to the bathroom just to leave the movie for a few minutes. (laughs) You saw? I've been told I'm an American submarine captain. My name is Gerard Butler. It's like, no, stop it. It's more like the cunt for Red October. I'm just saying that should have been the title. But Gerard Butler, come on. Oh, my God. And I mean that by the British sense of cunt. Can I just say this? I will watch any movie Gerard Butler's in for the rest of time. Uh, Okay. I'm not on that. The Butler-thon. I'm not on the Butler-nomathon. But, yeah, this is great. Unfortunately, it didn't come with bonus features that weren't on the DVD releases that came out already. But whatever. Those were cool. There are a lot of good, cool little, like, gag reels and the staff having crew having fun. Clearly, this was a crew of people who really enjoyed making the show. And – I, I'm sad that it was only three seasons, but at the same time, I'm also glad it didn't push it too far. That's very British yeah. of them. You know, where it was like, you know what, we told our story, we're done. Oh, and Lee Majors playing his dad That's for like great. a season and then Ghost Dad in the third season. Wait, Bill Cosby what? shows up? No, no, no. He comes oh. back as Ghost Dad in the third season, where I was like, oh, that's so, I'm so mad that he's not going to be on it anymore. He's like, no, now he's Ghost Dad. And I was well, like, wow. That's good, because if it was actually Cosby, it's like, they made it in fourth or fifth season, you just slept through it. Oh my God, please. Don't let that I ever didn't happen. realize they can make TV. For All right, so I'm not sure if this person got confused when they were asking when I put up ask us questions, but but oh. uh, Daniel Uvaldo said Daniel, hey, who said, "Hey guys, has there ever been a time that a close friend legitimately scared you?" And I was like, "Are you?" You know we're not Dr. Nerd Love, right? Uh, I don't know what that or, or something else. I'm like that was a legitimately scared you. I mean, I've legitimately scared my friends before. Uh, I remember told that story. the first time Luke and I watched Wreck, I didn't want to oh, go to God. bed. Yeah. Because I was freaked out. And what did we watch? We had to watch something like. Oh. I want to say it was like. Go to Heaven or something. I think it was like Batman and Robin. Like, think, yeah. No. No, it was. Be- that was that after was like we watched watching. Dear Zachary. And I was so fucked up emotionally. I was like, show me something terrible and stupid so that I get a sense of reality back. And it was Batman and Robin. Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember. Th- bad night. But after Wreck, I remember I was like, I don't want to go to bed just yet. So we watched something stupid. Uh, so I, I that's the closest I can come to answering this question. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I've, I have answers that are things I would never reveal. Like, stuff like people who, like... Have told me like who were who got on the phone like I'm thinking about killing myself type things. Yeah, that's scary. But, I remember yeah. the time that I almost gave my dad a heart attack while he was seeing The Sixth Sense for the first time. Uh, I was out with some friends and I came home and my parents had left the door open and then the screen door uh, or the, the yeah. So I, I I looked inside and I could see that they had paused The Sixth Sense and they weren't in the living room. So they had gone to the kitchen to get refreshments and I'm like, oh my god, they don't know I'm home. This is a golden opportunity because I knew I had seen the movie already. So they had paused it right before the kid in the tent shows up. And I was like, oh, my God, they have no idea what they're in for. So I quietly entered the room and I went to the laundry room adjacent to the living room and I just waited. And I just sat there and I was so excited. And I heard them come back in. I heard them hit play. And right as that kid in the tent shows up, I jumped out and my dad went, And I just scared your cat right off the couch. And it was one of the greatest pranks I have ever pulled off in my entire... My dad is just... I'm rolling on the floor laughing. My mom is trying not to laugh, but my dad is lecturing me about how I could have given him a heart attack and how irresponsible that was. So that... That's... I mean, that does... Yeah, that That doesn't answer the question, but that's a thing. Yeah, sure. I guess. Uh, Justin Zarian says, what's a non-horror movie character you feel would make a great horror movie villain? Oh, Wow. 
Weird question, right? But I, I, I love it when someone comes up with a question that no one's ever so, been asked. Non horror movie yeah. character, not even necessarily a non horror movie Somebody villain, not, who's not from a horror movie, but just not from a horror movie. Some t- totally other thing that would make a great horror movie villain. Uh, Kevin oh. Spacey as Kevin Spacey. No, but I was going to say Kevin McAllister from Home Alone. Oh, yeah. Because that years kid is later, fucked in the head. Years later, he's fucked up and he has started like. Years later, he's the collector. He's become the collector. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which I've always said is. we. I think when we reviewed that initially, we we're like, this is pretty much what happened to Kevin McAllister. Yeah, he absolutely. He became the collector. He's like, it was a re- reverse. Uh, I, that's what I keep thinking of as characters who were supposed to be the heroes in movies that you're just like, you're an asshole. Like you are, you're doing more damage than any villain I've ever seen. You are absolutely not the good guy. You telling me you're Team Buzz? I'm I'm totally Team Buzz. You know? Are you? Yeah. You heard it here, Devin. I'm, I'm Team Buzz. I'm Team wow. Buzz. Except for that snake, snake, spider. Except for that spider. spider. Fuck that spider. Yeah. I like that spider. But also, Devin Ratchery's awesome. Is that, <laughs> is that the actor's name? Fuck yeah, it is. Are you the guy who... Okay, do you also know the name of the actor who played Donkey Lips on uh, Salute Your Shorts? No, no idea. Okay, I don't even enough. know what Salute Your Shorts is. But Devin Ratchery showed up in uh, Oh, I thought you said Blue Devin Ferracci. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? No, Luke would never say Team Devin Ferracci. <laughs> completely different conversation <laughs> okay. to be had there. Okay. All right. But Devin Ratchery, who played Buzz in the Home Alone films... And then also showed up in Jeremy Saunier's Blue Ruin. And, oh, he's uh, in Blue Ruin? He's totally in Blue Ruin. Whoa. Buzz, I'm getting revenge on this <laughs> you know, He's going to come out and pound me. All right, so our next movie we're talking about is actually part of a two-movie set that uh, got put out uh, called... Uh, and Brian loves them both. Called mm. Psycho Bitty Double Feature. Psycho Bitty Double <laughs> Feature. <laughs> uh and the first film on the Whoa, Psycho Bitty. This is from Mill Creek Entertainment, who originally was putting, for years, has been put, was putting out stuff that was like. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mill Creek is still a company? Yeah. Well, for years, they were putting out bare bones stuff. Like, it was just like this bare oh, they, bones. They, they still stuff. fucking are. And they still are, but they're actually putting together some stuff that hadn't been put together before. Like, they put together stuff with like, the, like, where, with TV shows we were talking about earlier that were, yeah, like, they have, for like, the some happy reason, box set. had devolved where they were no longer putting out Blu rays or DVDs, like, at all. And they were like, here's the complete Blu-ray set of stuff. Like yeah. they just put out. Massive, Supposedly they have they, community. Coming they just out put on out. Blu-ray. Yeah, they have community coming out on a full Blu-ray, which had never happened. They were just DVDs. Oh, wow. They put out Masters of Sex recently on a full Blu-ray. So they've actually been doing some interesting stuff lately. They're trying. Someone there is feeling out some more interesting stuff. I don't know if this is one of those things, but I will <laughs> admit both of these movies are ones that have been on my list of ones I wanted to check out someday for a while because Joan Crawford in, in like Z-grade horror films is something that immediately makes me go. That's something I'm interested in checking out for myself. So, recently... The two movies are Straight Jacket and Berserk. Yeah, Straight Jacket, which is, of course, the sequel to Straight Talk starring Dolly Parton. <laughs> Wait a second. Um, it's not at all. And by the way, Berserk. I want to. Can we start with Berserk, which Please takes do. place at a circus and is about like. Wait, 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 hold on. This is going to be a fun game because Berserk. I so I didn't see Ash vs. the Evil Dead. I saw everything else except for Berserk, which I only saw like the first thirty minutes of. So, as far as I know, Berserk is a film where Joan Crawford runs a shitty circus. Yes. Uh, and then this. Uh, hmm. Ha- handsome. Gentleman, handsome, yeah. comes up to her to uh, to uh, push upon her his new act. First of all, disproportionately handsome gentleman. <clears throat> I will say this: this this is a common theme in Joan Crawford movies that I don't understand. Is that she is always paired up with like a young, like 
like, roided out hunk. And it's like, I'm sorry. Bullshit. Like, all of this about this relationship, I'm just going to go ahead and call bullshit. Also, this is a movie where people are dying at a circus, and it's called Berserk. It should have been called Berserkus. Why is it not oh, called Berserkus? Oh, so huge right. missed opportunity. Who the You're fuck so right. didn't come... Like, why is William no. Castle not going, you know what I would have called it? No, you correct. It? No, Straight Jacket was the Straight William Jacket Castle. is William Castle. I was like, wait, it was a William Castle movie. Ber- uh, anyway, so yeah. yeah, so the high wire guy comes along and then he like falls in love with Joan Crawford because that's what's supposed to happen because that's the script says the so. Well, she's, yeah. she's an old biddy and a uh, psycho biddy. I'm told. Yeah, psycho biddy, yeah, yeah, Bam Balam. Uh, but the, then what happens? Who runs the ringmaster of a circus? As always, seems like Joan Crawford's job would eventually end up being at some point of her life. And it, the reason he comes in is because the previous tightrope walker fell to his death. Can we talk Under about that scene? That scene ends with a tightrope walker hanging from his own tightrope in front Spitard. of children. And the music is like, Spitard. here's the music. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, a man is dead. Spoken like the- somebody who's never been to medieval times. What the fuck is this music? And that happens in, that happens in Straight Jacket as well, where it's like, who the fuck is scoring the scene without clearly having seen the movie? Bernard Herman. Bernard Herman, who is dead in Joan Crawford's no, no. arms or something. Some dude named John Scott. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. No. The the point is, Berserk is a movie that's a, like, I didn't even watch the whole thing. <gasps> because, I can't blame you. Sacrilege. Because I couldn't fucking get through the whole thing. Like, I was so thrown by... I ran out of time. I was so thrown it's, by the it, fact that she was in, like, that... It wasn't just that she was in a relationship with this young stud, but that she's trying to break it off and he's begging her not to. And I'm like, dude, for the love of God. Here's why this movie is dull. Because it's so determined to make you suspect every character in the film as being the killer that everyone is such an unlikable asshole, you could give a shit what happens to any of them. The one really good kill in the movie is Michael Goh, who most of us will probably remember as Alfred from the first few Batman movies, gets basically... Railroad spiked through the head? Yeah, that's a good kill. It's a really good kill in a very boring otherwise movie. Is Joan Crawford the killer? I don't even remember who the fuck. I'm not telling you. I don't give a shit who the fucking killer is. All right, so no, she's not. So Straight Jacket, on the other hand, is William. not the dude. It makes you you think it's her, but then it makes you think it's the new guy, and then it makes you think it's the other person. And it's actually the midget. No, it's, of course, the person who's the only cast member at all vaguely you, resembles being a completely innocent You, you can't say that person, word anymore. So. They prefer to be called Spadoinkles now. Um, <laughs> I apologize oh, to the Spadoinkle population. I'm pretty sure it's, I'm pretty sure it's, it's correct. It's little Spadoinkles. So straight, straight Jacket is William Castle. <laughs> That's what I call my penis. <laughs> William Me Castle. Too. That's what I call your penis as well. I know I've said this before. Shut up about your dicks. Oh. Um, <laughs> William Castle figured out that he couldn't actually buy the life rights to... I'm not looking at you. Uh, to, could not buy the life rights to Lizzie Borden. Brian, so look he, at my penis. He just wrote a oh, different story. adorable little spinoinkle. Just wrote a different movie that's about Lizzie Borden without calling her Lizzie Borden. Gave him husband 40 wax. Yeah. Uh, and here's the thing about this movie is I... New of this movie this year because the scene from this is featured in the movie Serial Mom by John Waters oh, that yeah. my wife had me watch. And I was like, wait a minute. And I, I was like, I think I know what this movie is after I watched Serial Mom. 
And then I went and looked at the Blu-ray that, that Scream Factory put. I was like, yep, that's Straight Jacket with Joan Crawford, which is better than Berserk. I will give it that. I, I would give it so far as it's actually a lot better than Berserk. It's, it's a lot better yeah, than Berserk. fine. But it's, 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 it's I, I actually fine. don't think this is a terrible movie. No, it's um, fine. It's not a great movie. It's not an essential movie. Chris, how many times can I say it's fine? It's fine. <laughs> It's fine. The hair but is fine. It's got so many of those, like, she's crazy, so she grabs her head a lot. It's just a lot of, like, it's a lot of the Joan Crawford thing that gets criticized a lot, that she was a hammy fucking actress. Look, it's, it's a twist film. It's got a twist very similar to Berserk. <laughs> like, they're almost exactly the <laughs> and same And that there are people twist. who still want to watch it's it. It's almost That's exactly the, the same twist. Uh, but this is a better filmed movie. Uh, Lee Major's first film role. By the way, he was a Lee Minor playing actor her this. husband who gets killed in the beginning of the movie. That's We've been talking reason. a lot about Lee Majors tonight, yeah, guys. Right, is there something I need up. to know? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna test. Well, his this. last role <laughs> was in Ash versus the Evil Dead. The last thing he did, and his first thing was this. So I'm gonna, we're I'm gonna try this again. Thing. And his he's, best thing was Out Cold. He's so it's so early in his career. He's a Lee Minor actor. Just gonna try that one again. No, all right, all right. That I'm one was on edit, me. I'm editing crickets here. All right, all right so. Fine. Uh, no, I mean, I actually genuinely... I mean, I liked it. Thank you. I genuinely kind of enjoyed this one. Um, I, I don't... Like I said, it's not a masterpiece. It's a Castle film. Castle's done a lot of at- films that are much worse than this one. But he's also done a lot of films Prove, that are prove m- it, Chris. Much prove it. better than this one. Uh, Crawford is great in this, though. I think that's the strong point. She's really giving it her all, which is I think I just don't thing. like Joan Crawford. I what? think that's really what I've learned about myself from like watching people with eyebrows. Seen I don't like Whatever happened acting. to Baby Jane? But you are in the chair, Blanche. You are. (laughs) No, that's the Golden Girls. (laughs) (laughs) But you are in the chair. I have. I've obviously not seen all the Golden Girls, but recently, as we all know, uh, God died. Burt Reynolds. Oh, I I was going to make this up. Okay, so some some a lot of people were posting the clip of his appearance on the Golden Girls. Did you see this, Brian? Okay. That's all, then. I'm not yeah, going to tell yeah, anybody. Yeah, you yeah, guys Google. should go look it up, because it's fucking great, and it would never pass uh, network TV yeah, I don't want to spoil it for you, but you're like, Google Burt Reynolds' Golden Girls and watch the clip. Go on Yaltube. And, and if you... Uh, uh, God, if for some reason you're unfamiliar with Golden Girls, like, Wikipedia it, so that you kind of understand who the characters are, because that'll make a lot more sense. My uncle wrote three episodes. Of are you Girls. shitting me? Did you throw him a party? Because if you did, I would bring a gift, and the biggest card would be from me. And it would say, thank you for being a friend. Okay, sure. Why not? God yeah. damn it! All yeah. these <laughs> we all know, Brian. <laughs> okay, so like I said, flawed set. But if people really like John Crawford, you could do a lot worse than this. Who's set. John Crawford? John Crawford. <laughs> so who Joan Crawford looks like? Uh, uh, Machet Kerr says, "Can you give your co-host a big hug?" Which one? I don't. Oh, uh, we'll group hug. Don't we'll worry group about hug it. Hug later afterwards. I love that a lot of what I what I love about the incestuous nature of our listenership is I recognize so many of these fucking names because they're also uh, patrons of John Wick yeah. Cinema. Uh, but he also says, "What is your all time favorite movie commentary?" We just mentioned it. Cannibal, uh, the musical. Cannibal the musical. I mean, yeah. any commentary where the people I'm Spinal Tap. Dude, where the people leave in the middle of the commentary to go on a beer run and they don't stop oh, the movie? No, I'm sorry. Not Spinal Tap. That's oh, my God. second favorite. My first favorite is uh, uh, Dr. Horrible. Oh, the sing-along blog. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dr. Horrible. I've never heard that commentary. It's a musical in and of itself. They they recorded an entirely new musical for the commentary track. Oh, wow. That's yeah. a, that's a good a gimmick. It's a totally like different that. set, set like of songs it. about is- the making of the film that features the crew of the film singing about the movie. What is the horror movie... Jacko. 
Is it? Okay. Thank it's you. It's called Jacko. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, David, do you know what we're talking about? I do not. What okay. Oh, shit. Okay. okay. Jacko is this weird, like, okay, Halloween, so like, Jack o' Lantern comes to life. It's movie. 90s, terrible shit horror movie starring Linnea Quigley. Uh, in the commentary, the producer and the director oh my completely God. go at each other's throats. And at one point, oh, the, producer, the producer calls the director a shit pickle, which apparently is the breaking point. And the director gets up and leaves, it's and the producer's still sitting there, and then the director comes back and is like, I couldn't let you have the final word. Like, it's amazing. It awesome. Oh, my God. How like, is the movie, though? No, it's terrible. It's not great. Don't watch the movie. It's watch like, the commentary. Well, and they don't break until, like, the last... 10 minutes or yeah. so. Like, so really you just fast forward to like the last 20 minutes and be yeah. fine. Yeah, totally. Wow. Okay. But it's a hell of a thing. What's the name of it again? Jacko. Jacko. Yeah. Jacko. And I love that you knew exactly what I was fucking yeah. talking about. That's because it's one, it's a legendary fucking Because really, topic. Brian and I share one brain. It's uh, it seems that way. Uh, and it's a beautiful brain. It's yeah. a beautiful, beautiful I think brain. so. Like a Russell beautiful Crow. mind. Just yeah. like Russell Crowe. Uh, yeah. And that I'm fat. fighting around the world. <laughs> Tugger! And then I'm also Come on, Tugger! I'm also selling a loincloth on eBay, so that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Davy Pepper says you have Davy to- Pepper! I know, greatest name ever, right? You're one of the monkeys, right? You have to assemble the world's greatest commentary track with three people what on What the it. fuck? What? Come on! Dead or alive, what movie and what people? Uh, the, the producer of Jacko. Uh, Matt and Trey from South Park. Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Roger Ebert, yeah. Russ Meyer. And John and, Carpenter. Yeah, I don't know. Leonard Malton. That's more than three people, to be fair. I don't fucking... Like, this quit... The amount of commentary questions you must get on I know, a weekly we get a lot. basis. And the weirdest thing is we almost never talk about the actual commentaries on this show. We're always like, I didn't have time to watch the fucking commentary <laughs> track. I'd say South Matt- Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Chris Matt Cox, Trey- Brian Salisbury, Luke Mullen. Matt go. and Trey for humor. Uh, John Carpenter for info. And uh, the producer of Jacko just to fuck things up. That's four people. I don't. Four. I don't play by your rules, you shit pickles. What's what, going on? What's up? Barry Pepper's younger brother is really pissed at you just, right now. I just throw Harry <laughs> Carey into the mix for the fuck of it. Do you guys know? Do you guys know what Barry Pepper's first big movie was? Davy Pepper's a movie called Firestorm, starring Howie Long. Oh, I know. Yeah, Firestorm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a movie. All right, well, let's talk about a little movie that we watched called By Bust. You guys actually watched this one. Did, I watched yeah, By Bust. Yeah. All right. I was yeah, actually I really it. curious to watch this one. I had heard a lot of very positive reviews of this thing. And that was from, from a lot of people who had not seen The Night Comes for Us yet. Or well, that's any true. good Indonesian Marvel Oh, no. I, I Okay, so you didn't like this. I, actually, I did not like I this I actually movie. thought this was pretty solid, but you I think cannot, it's decent, you, but I, I just think that it pales in comparison, unfortunately. It, it does, but it also does something that that I thought was like really cool in that the the political stuff that's going on and it actually is a thing that's super yes. interesting. And that is the most interesting thing about it for sure. I, I guess my problem was I, I could tell immediately the difference between something like The Raid or The Night Comes for Us and a movie like this. Just the sense of the, how well the choreography and the action is filmed in that, those movies. Yes, and, and uh, just the overall cinematography, because this movie is not, like... I, yeah, it's not I feel like we talk about movies are well. well shot a lot. Like, that's like our kind of last-ditch effort to compliment a movie that's not great overall. This is not well shot. That's what I'm saying. Oh, that girl's nice. She's, it's yeah, not she's particularly well shot. It's not particularly well edited, either. Like, the yeah. fight scenes... Well, that's my biggest complaint of this film is that the fight scenes, it's clear, was like tightly choreographed, but then 
fight scenes are all about how it's edited. That and yeah. the editing yeah. falls flat. And that and the villain looks like old Indonesian Ashton Kutcher. But the, but, the, yeah, but even then, there are moments the action works here, and there's a lot. Totally, of it. and there's a shit ton of it. It's yeah. just, like again. Right, so what's the plot? Fuck who! It's so the, the raid, the but you're stuck in a shanty town so instead of a building. It's yeah. a strike team that's basically they've got an undercover person within the organization of a local mob boss, and they're sending him in to make a deal. But then uh, they end up kind of getting outed, and like there's a firefight, and the mob boss kills a. There was a firefight. There was a firefight. That movie does not hold up. Uh, there. So. <laughs> Boondock Saints. Boondock Saints. Uh, there comes a point in every every man's life where he has to admit two things. One, Boondock Saints is not great. And two, Garden State is not great. Um, oh. I'm not with you on either one of those. Things. Oh, you'll get there, Chris. Um, it hurts. It hurts. There. It's true, though. Uh, but Super true. Maybe you come through because circle. Because really, the third thing you have to admit to yourself is, fuck Zach Braff. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but Zach Braff, who movies. is not in this movie... Uh, so what happens is that a local, God, it'd be so funny if he was right. a, lo- a local beloved <laughs> businessman played by Zach Braff. <laughs> he just pops uh, up in this Indonesian action film. So Zach Braff gets shot in the fucking head, and it really pisses Dude, off. Now there's a title for a movie: Donald Faison. Who's <laughs> like, guys, the fuck? Why no? Take off after Scrubs, you asshole. Uh, so Zach Braff gets shot in the fucking head. But opening wide this Friday. So this very beloved local businessman gets shot in the head by the mob boss. But the the townspeople don't blame the mob boss. They blame the strike force who put them in the crossfire. So the rest of the movie is basically the strike team running away from a mobilized uh, town that has had enough of their shit and has, is just trying to kill them left and right. Yeah. Kind of like a, the raid. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's it's a good concept. But dealing with like look. It's a lot poorer people than in the raid. Yeah, it's and a they're lot not grungier. It's a lot it what? Has a grungier? No, no, no. The first thing you said. Poorer. Did you say, I don't know. The people in the raid are pretty fucking well, poor. Well, but the thing is, they're not. The the difference is that they're not criminals in this movie. They are people who have been pushed to the brink by too much violence yeah, in the community. True. And I get that, and I think that's a strong concept. Unfortunately, like I just think that so much of this movie is so poorly shot. Like, and it's it, this is a weird thing in Indonesian films. What is? Why do they? Slip back and forth constantly between English and what's the Indian language? It happens a lot. I, mean, I know it's what's the Philippines. Indi- it's a Fili- okay. Fili- so, Filipino. Film. So they slip back and forth and yeah, randomly. Philippines and Indonesia. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, but they'll, they'll slip back and forth between their native language and English in like mi- the middle I'm of the I'm an American. Sentence. I have no idea where anywhere is. So I'll I'm be like, really honest. Not- that's part of what I really don't like about Indian films because they do the same thing in Indian films. Yeah. Like, I just don't like how much dancing there is in this movie. Oh, wait, no, that's still no, Indian. Oh, sorry. Different this film could use more singing. I disagree with you. I disagree with you about like it being filmed bad. I don't think it's filmed bad. I think it's edited poorly, and I think that's this film's biggest problem. It could have used a lot tighter editing here. Uh, it's a it's a relatively long film at 128 minutes. It's a really fucking. Sure. It's way too and, fucking. But long. I like the characters and the actors in this thing. They actually set up some interesting relationships between them. There's the one guy who's the huge hulking guy. I'm like, I will watch that guy in another movie. That's oh yeah, movie totally. Cool. That's what I feel like. I feel like there's a lot of potential here for the next film to be good. Yeah. I just don't feel like this is. And it, it it does just suffer from. Night comes for us sim- syndrome. Well, yeah, yeah. If you want to call it that? Of these films that we've seen in a long time since the raid two. Yeah. Anything else is kind of like, dude, you're falling in the cracks here. If you're not getting, I mean, speed, I even think know? like headshot. And that's, is- I'll, I'll be, I'll be really honest. Like, that's not fair because it's Night comes fair. for us is 
Had, not only the the best action movie of 2018, but I mean, in the top ten, may, maybe better than the raid. I said it. I said I, it. I don't agree. I don't agree. Maybe I said close. maybe. I said it's, maybe. It comes very far. Like it's in that. It's in that very top tier. But fuck. Yeah. I just. Guys. I don't know. I, I feel like this. Yeah. This just suffers for. I, I feel like there is a lot of poor cinematography choices. Yeah. And especially when they are trying to build the suspense of is their undercover guy going to get caught? And because of the way it's shot with so many wide angles, there's no tension. And it, it's so important for the first 45 minutes of this movie that you buy into the tension. And I just don't because I feel so at arm's length because the cinematography is like wide shot, wide shot, wide shot, wide shot, wide shot. I'm like, no, are you going to pull into anything? That's true. I don't deserve No, we only pull out. We only pull out. Oh, I, I don't know why. I'm martial artists that. interrupt us. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you said that. I do like that uh, the way they do the the way the townspeople initially are like the, the the criminals are like these guys. They're the reason there's a problem. The cops kill them, and at some point they're like, "Wait a minute, what are we doing?" That might be the other thing that bothers me right now in America is just being like, "I'm supposed to side with the people who are so easily duped by the guy who's clearly to blame." Oh wait. I'm an American. I get it now. This has a 30-minute making of, a lot of behind-the-scenes footage and interviews. It's got a Comic-Con panel. They did a Comic-Con <laughs> how great would How great would it be if the making uh, of it's just... It's got to be Comic-Con the Philippines, right? Like, what, not San Diego. What, what, if, what if the making of is just the director watching the raid? Like, it's just <laughs> like watching the raid. Oh, fuck. I should do that. I didn't know that was a thing, guys. Sorry. The end. <laughs> uh, Ryan Alec Hill... Uh, who that's too many names. I didn't even realize he was at the last Leog party. There's a picture of him and Harris who were both dressed up as Roddy Rowder, Roddy. Piper, oh yes, 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 yes. I was yes, like, yes. that's hysterical. I remember this. It says, as you know, the most recent Halloween sequel chose to ignore all the previous sequels as canon in order to build something entirely new. Is this a trend you'd like to see more of? And if so, what film do you think would deserve the same treatment? I mean, not to repeat Nightmare on Elm Street. Not to repeat myself Period. and the and the. And show that you actually invited me on to talk about the Halloween franchise, but Halloween more so than any other horror franchise, there are so many different points where you as a fan can opt out of the canon, where you can decide this is where the mythology ends, Yeah, that I feel like it is entirely appropriate to make a new movie that ignores everything, because you could choose, is it after one, is it after two, is it after four? Like, there's so many, so many exit ramps off of this mythology highway... That I I feel like yeah it would be interesting to see other but then again there are a lot of franchises that don't give a shit about their own mythology like Friday the Thirteenth doesn't give a flying fuck see, about its own mythology no, but really neither did Halloween and that's why this Halloween. works because yeah. I mean because it needed to be ignored it did yeah, like how do you, how do you even follow it like but like I. I keep thinking, I was thinking about this anyway, I was like, I would love to see a Nightmare on Elm Street sequel where it's like nothing else happened after the first movie. Yeah. Like, it is modern age, and someone is looking into this, someone has got a podcast that's about old cold cases that were never oh solved. Oh my god, it's like serial. And it calls it back up, it Hi, starts I'm Sarah it happening again. Like, they do something that starts it going. Yeah, again. except Fred Krueger would work at a Best Buy, and be a really weird, like... I'll be really honest, like, they had... The perfect opportunity 
with the current Nightmare on Elm Street remake to make it awesome and scary, and they fucked it the fuck up. They did. They lost their balls. All they had to do was say, Freddy Krueger never molested anyone, and he got killed for it, and then he started coming after children because he was pissed that he got killed for something he didn't do. Which would the biggest moral quandary of that franchise, which is that a guy is getting revenge for being revenged upon for doing a bad thing. Exactly. Also, we should do this with Hellraiser. Yeah. Also. I was a little mixed about the idea of that him being not guilty. But it makes so much more sense. Why would he be able it's to get revenge? The best idea because for that killed, franchise, which is itself revenge. The best. Like it's he like, was a victim of mob mentality, yes. and they hint at it. They go like right oh, up next to it. To I feel like if they, that is. movie came out like next year. Also, I saw that in D box. If this movie had come out next year with that same story, next it year, would have been next year, next year, next year, Harry Shearer, next year, next year, next year. Next year. That's my favorite sauce uh, to put on. I'm sorry, like, when like, does it so come out? Worry. It comes out next, next year. year. Okay. Uh, instead of, of when year. it did. Next year? Next year. <laughs> oh. Instead of when it did, that it would have been That's more. This podcast is three would, hours long. There would have been a better way to do it. You know, like I, say like with mob mentality the stuff. Better like, way to do it was the way they. Yeah, they had it. They had it and they fucked it up. And they had Jackie Earl Haley who was great as the new Freddy. so good. Yeah. But they fucked it up. Yeah, they did. Um... Our last well, movie doesn't have a nose. Is, Shut the fuck up. Our last movie is one I was actually really looking forward to seeing called A Prayer Before Dawn because it's based on a true story that's actually a pretty interesting true story about this guy. He was living in Thailand. He was into like uh, uh, Muay, Tha- Muay, Muay Thai. Muay Thai. Muay Thai. I always want to say it wrong. I love that um, you can tell what Chris thinks about the movie because he was like, I was really excited to see it and then no, it sucked No, Nick. no, I actually did enjoy this film, but it was not what I was thinking it was going to be. It is a... I it's actually... Joe Cole playing this role, this white guy in Thailand who's Does doing he this. Other stuff? Uh, he falls back. Uh, yes. He's Lies. one of those guys that was like, oh, I recognize you. We're in a, oh, Peaky Blinders. Oh. I didn't see, see he was Blinders. in The if Secret you, in Their Eyes. If He's you ever wish Green that- Room. Oh, oh yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. Uh, all right, so yeah, you like fuck that. I don't know, bro. Okay, I do. If you, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was exactly. If you what watch I said. Broken Down Palace, and you're like, I wish there was Next no boxing year. in this movie. Uh, do I have a film for you? Well, Which, he gets into Broke drug Down use. Palace. He, yeah, the yeah. Claire Danes movie. Yeah. Or, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, where Vince Vaughn sends them to Thai prison. Yeah. So he gets into drugs. This movie. He okay. gets busted for drugs. He gets sent to prison. In which, Thailand, busted for drugs. Which I don't is probably the last. No, it makes perfect sense. I just never heard of it. the last country in the world other than Mexico you want to be a white guy in jail in. True story. Um, I don't know. Midnight Express told me that South America was bad, Turkey. Too. Turkey. Was it Turkey? It was Turkey. I would yeah. love some. And this is definitely people want a movie that people <laughs> compare to Midnight Express. They go, it's that thing. It's this guy who's like, he's scared. He's freaked out in his prison with a bunch of people and he speaks the language, but only kind of. He doesn't really. He doesn't, he doesn't speak any language. He speaks a little bit. He has like mouth garbly cockney going he on. He can get by. He, he, he can get by in Bristol, sure, but I don't know about Thailand. Uh, oi, oi, lady boy, you I, can help me with my life, please? You want to fucking go is half the dialogue in this movie. <laughs> you want to fucking go. It's like, I only hear that when James Marsh is in town. <laughs> right. <laughs> Ends up with him, like, agreeing to fight in prison, uh, and that kind of gets his shit back together to get out. Like I said, based on a true story, and I think this is a very well-filmed movie. I think it's an interesting story, but wow, it does kind of drag, for sure. It's so boring. It shouldn't be, but wow. it's so boring. I actually really like this movie. Okay. I was surprised at how much I like this Shut movie. Shut up and get me a beer, Brian. Okay. Right. I uh, <laughs> It was funny because I was reminded at Fantastic Fest 
He's doing um, his job. Good job, Brian. Uh, we, there was a movie called Goliath that they kind of... <laughs> God damn it, you guys. They had kind of scrambled to get at the last minute, and they were super like proud that they had... They, I'm sorry, Luke's sitting right here. Hey, what's uh, up? <laughs> like, really proud they got it. I was super excited to see it because of that. And then I watched it, and I'm like, this feels very average. And then I watched this movie. I watched A Prayer Before Dawn. I thought Dawn, this was much better than Goliath. And personally. I was like, this is kind of what I was expecting. Sorry, like... That's from all good. Goliath, I was like, it, it's a crime story. There's a lot of really moving, really tense, really engaging elements to it. I think one of the coolest things, I didn't know it was based on a true story at all. And then at the end when they were like wrapping up what happens to this character and, uh, or to this, to this real life person. And there's a character that's introduced in the last two minutes of the movie. And I was like, that's a great ending. It's characters introduced. And it's him. It's the real guy. And I was like, that's a really You're cool playing piece, his of, dad. piece of stunt casting. I thought that was great. And like, there's a, there's a couple moments in the movie that I was like, very reminded of Midnight, uh, Midnight Express and. Some very startling, triggering moments in this film. Uh, check, well, I was, I was absolutely certain this movie was gonna end with him getting raped because Chekhov's prison rape. Cause almost. Like, it every, happens in the first act, because it has to come back. Almost but. everyone else is getting raped in this film, so And why there's, not there's a scene where a guy, he owes a guy money and the guy draws his own blood and says, I have AIDS and if you don't pay me, I'm gonna inject you with this. And I'm like, what the fuck, Thailand? Are you serious right now? Yeah, they're not really, like, you know, all up with the woke over there. Not so much. <laughs> they're not all up with the woke over there. I uh, I could Put not. it on the poster. Put it on the poster. <laughs> I, no, I just thought this was really this was really well done and engaging and not my typical type of fare, but I, I really liked it for what I, it was. I think it's a super strong performance by Joe Cole uh, in this. Uh, a lot of the actors whose names I'm not even going to try to pronounce uh, that it's are in the high Actors are actually quite good in here as well. This film goes a lot of ways you don't expect it to, but it does take a does while to it. get there. There are points I'm like, come on, guys, let's move this along a little faster. Than it, it doesn't need to be 117 minutes. Let's move this Thai prison sentence along a little bit faster. But, but, but I'm getting bored. But well, I'm sure that's what Joe, like uh, uh, Billy Moore was saying. You know? <laughs> I was like, come on, guys. I'm like, this is. Do you want to fucking go faster? I've kind of had enough of this bullshit. <laughs> I have an appointment for Sunday roast. <laughs> A Sunday roast. Oi, mate. Uh, I, w- <laughs> I would have been... What's the name of the guy, Snatch Guy, uh, who directed that? Uh, Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. Can you imagine what Guy Ritchie's version of this movie would have been like? Yeah, bad. I kept thinking... Guy Ritchie in the early days. Directly. Oh, for sure, yeah. And, and like that would have been hysterical. Just a lot of like subtitles with question marks. Yeah, but for both Thai and but English there speaking been, like, Three other Cockney guys in the prison as this well. Is true. Though, this if is that was true. the case, I, I don't know. I, I did enjoy this, but it's not the movie you maybe think it is. Because it presents it as more of a straight-up action movie. I did appreciate not. that on this episode we've had both this produced by A24 and By Buzz produced by XYZ. Yeah. So it really did feel like another Fantastic Fest going on in my living room. And this does indeed have a 15-minute a, uh, uh, look at uh, the making of, and then 11 minutes of interview with Billy Moore talking about straight up what this was really like. And Boy, bro, there ain't no commentary, though. No commentary. Sorry. Allow it. I will not allow it. No. By the way, did you no. guys see the trailer for the new Joe Cornish film yet? No, no, but I hear it, I hear people are very excited about it. I, I hear it's, it's British. It's a little kid who's like uh, who gets King Arthur's sword. Oh yeah, Joe and he Cornish, rollerblades. Attack the block. Yeah, no, no, I know who Joe yeah. Cornish is. Yeah. I I figured you wait rollerblades. Yeah, yeah, it's kid in King Arthur's court what? starring Thomas. What's e- happening? A Connecticut Yankee. No, kid. kid in King Arthur's court is a star. Thomas E. Nichols. Here. Yeah, you know about that crappy fucking. Okay, no. Yeah, mind. that I grew up on is a terrible. Did you movie. not? Meet him at Fantastic Fest? 
Thomas Ian Nicholas? <laughs> when? He's been- this year? Yeah. I'm done. Oh. What the fuck? No, stop. Stop the fucking podcast. Why was he at Fantastic Fest? He wasn't really, like, ruckus. And- then what? You Stop with your fucking riddles, Sphinx. What are you talking about? <laughs> ruckus is really good friends with Thomas Ian Nichols, and he comes in every now and then to play the highball. Because he has a band, quote-unquote, which I think is just him and an acoustic guitar. I just so literally like the you know day, why I fucking hate you. The you're day, just telling me this now. The I, day before Fantastic Fest, they had a, R- Ruckus hosted a Rookie of the Year screening at the Draft. House. I don't understand how I bring up a Joe Cornish new movie, which is to say his second movie. After I didn't Death know you were Lock, a big Thomas E. Nichols. And you immediately go to like the crappy Disney movie version of a Connecticut already or uh, Connecticut Yankee and Kerry. I am Oscar. not a First big Thomas E. Nichols fan because he's in the worst Halloween movie ever made. But I am which a big fan. Which one is that? Resurrection. I am a big wrong. Fan. It's, it's not six. wrong. It's six. not wrong. It's not wrong. It's six. I would rather it's watch sure. six all day than resurrection. Wait, what did you say, sir? Nothing. I am a big fan of a movie called Rookie of the Year, directed by Daniel Stern, oh which is one of the most wrong-headed ever. Like, okay, so it misunderstands right baseball so much that he joins the team in August. And they play an entire season, despite the fact that the World Series is played in October. Oh, I saw that movie and had no idea anything was wrong. What is the difference between this and Little Big League? Little Big League, he doesn't want to be a pitcher. He wants to be a manager, so it's even more boring. How are we getting to baseball? I just remember he watches porn in the hotel one time. I can't even follow the That's got to be Little Big League, because that does not happen. Yeah, Little Big League. Yeah. Shouldn't we be talking about Boogie Nights, the way this conversation is going? Oh, but you I don't know, but the next time Thomas E. Nichols is in town, I will take you to meet Thomas E. Nichols. Jesus Christ, like, I asked for so much. I'm sorry. So let's, our last question before we end this thing is, Bradley Martin says, now that Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead are winding down, is there a particular genre of TV film that you hope to take, oh, the, TV see, films. take the pop culture spotlight. What is my grandmother asking this question of TV films? Yes, I want film. country music film. biopics to uh, take over. Video game uh, tiny bits from like little in-jokes from video games. I really want commentary jokes. tracks to be, be the next big be a movie show. adaptation. <laughs> They're just gonna they're gonna adapt the the commentary track. I'm sorry, who asked, who, who asked this question? Into a movie, Bradley Martin. Bradley, I'm really sorry that we're not taking your questions here. Uh, I will say any show Matthew Weiner does for the rest of his life. I mean, I think I hear the Romanoffs is not great. I don't what? give a shit. It's Matthew Weiner. I, I, th- uh, I the rest of my life. I think it's very clear right now that horror is going through a big re- renaissance right now. Renaissance. I said renaissance. Zellweger's yeah. in every single. I know. One. Just, yeah. Um, like Russo too. They're actually making good horror TV shows now. I never thought we'd see the day again. But here we are. Horror movies are becoming wide-release art horror films. When was the last time you remember big, really well-critically-thought-of horror films getting wide releases like Hereditary and stuff like that, where it's like, wow, that shit is happening now. I, okay, so the question is, what's the next TV trend or TV genre? What like a, that you hope the pop culture spotlight is going to really focus on and go? This is great. We're all excited about it. Post-apocalyptic movies from Italy, from in the Italy, 80s. From specifically, Italy. Italy. specifically from Italy, ripping off good American. What's the one? Something movie. nightmare. What is the one? Uh, fuck. Shocking dark. No. Nightmares in a damaged brain. God damn it. I'll do this all Just day. called Nightmares. I'll do this all this Nightmares is, is great. Like Umberto something. I am the Bishop oh, of Battle. Oh, Lenzo? Yeah, Nightmare, Nightmare City. Oh, Nightmare yeah, City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nightmare City. Ain't no love in a Nightmare City. Anyway, the point is what I said, but not that. 
What? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the end of this. Bradley, episode. we're really sorry. Sorry. We apologize to everyone. We were a little drunk during this episode, but it is our what? 200th episode, so we felt like we had to celebrate a little bit. Big thanks to Brian Salisbury and Luke Mullen. For the record, my wife is listening. Cheers. I am not drunk. By the way, uh, no, he is. If my wife is listening, <laughs> I am very drunk. Luke, is there anything you wanted to promote? To promote? Yeah. Uh, peace on Earth and goodwill towards men. There you go. I love you, sir. And an extra large cheese pizza just for me. I love God damn right. I'm so grateful to them coming on to this show. I'm so excited. We actually hooked this up at Fantastic Fest when we were also drunk at all. Okay. I will admit I was very drunk at that yeah. meeting during Fantastic Dude, Fest. You were like, you know No, man? I was good. Brian's like, I really miss recording with you, man. I was like, I miss recording with you, too. Oh, my God. The 200th episode's coming up. Hey, there's Luke. Yeah, I was I was also there. <laughs> yeah. I, like, uh, going to the bathroom. We're like, Luke, Luke, come here, Luke. We're Somebody doing the 200th episode. Somebody was handing out Overlord shots in syringes. <laughs> that was ruckus. Here we are. And you, fuck it, Luke, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Information needed at the time. All right. Yep. I'll, All right. I'll get better about this. Good. I promise. I'm going to press stop. Press the button, Frank. Can I say that? You, you can say that. All right. 250th. We'll be back. <laughs>